Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. How this campaign is over, what is the will of the people? What is our mandate? I believe it's this. Americans have called upon us to marshal the forces of decency, the forces of fairness, to marshal the forces of science, and the forces of hope in the great battles of our time. The battle to control the virus, the battle to build prosperity, the battle to secure your family's health care, the battle to achieve racial justice and root out systemic racism in this country. So there you have it. We've got a new president. Wait, there's news? 46th president of the United States. Yeah, something happened? Wait, what? Yeah. yeah I, I tried to tell you guys to pay attention. This was going to be a big week. Oh. So actually, everybody's been, I don't know if you've been getting these, um, these messages about where, where's Hacks on Tap? Why aren't you back? And so on. It was my secret plan to make sure that we waited long enough that some of these states came in the way they said they that we said they were going to, so we didn't look like as big a bunch of idiots as we might have <laughs> earlier in the week. No, you're true. I actually, two days ago, I'm going to reveal this now in a world exclusive, but I had to call my old friend, uh, Senator Vince Fumo from South Philly. Oh, yeah, who, Fumo. Who, uh, 137 uh, convictions. Yes, he uh, had a prison. Of, uh, <laughs> he is. He is. Mm-hmm. I said, Vince, warm up the caddy. We may need you because I'm not going <laughs> to look like an idiot after Ohio and Florida and Pennsylvania. So uh, we put the machinery to work. And now, thank God, we have a new president. Now, Gibbs. What happened in North Carolina? I'm going to try to help you wiggle out of that prediction okay. right here. Gibbs, do ah. not let him do that to you. This is a, a classic <laughs> debate trick. I was going to say, I, I think this if you— This is the uh, man who predicted Texas and Ohio, and I freaking right. followed no, him. No, 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 right. no. I, I predicted Florida and Ohio. Wrong, wrong. You were with me on Florida. You kind of lured me into that one. Right. <laughs> I didn't follow you down in Texas. Yeah. The listeners need to understand that if you multiply the gap between Trump and Biden in North Carolina by eight, you probably still don't get the margin that uh, Murphy was wrong uh, <laughs> in in just Ohio. And let's just not I'm not even going to bring up Florida. I I'm Florida. One footnote. I got a I got a call from the World Referee Association trying to sort this through. And they have adjusted the Dade County returns if Obama-Biden hadn't opened communist Cuba. And it turns out <laughs> we're in a 10,000 point race. So Gibbs is still on UNX. When did you find uh, that out that Obama had uh, <laughs> Gone election day normalization there. yeah someone should have told you that before you got yeah. into it yeah, somebody should have told biden <laughs> yeah anyway I, I am glad i am glad that we uh we waited long enough to make a few of our predictions right uh, in yeah. all seriousness we were yeah. both in on georgia we both Thank got you. georgia I, I told you guys now we have actually i don't think as we we're speaking that arizona has been called but it, it will be though. it will God, be yeah yeah it will be um, we didn't even talk about Nevada. We didn't think it would be Nevada. Sorry, I Nevada. It Nevada. was close last time, and it's close. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was close again this time. We'll see where. I think he'll end up beating Trump by more than Hillary did. Uh, yeah, I do too. There. So, um, but but overall, overall, like a gazillion people voted. Uh, probably over a what over 150 million. It will be went all yeah. In. Once California, New York, and all that. Comes yeah, to maybe close. To- Mo- yeah, maybe and, closer to 160. And and look, let's be let's be clear about it. Donald Trump, uh, you know, Joe Biden will have gotten the most votes of any presidential candidate in American history, and Donald Trump will be second. He is yeah, second. It, it's it's done. Huge turnout. Almost two points better than he did four years ago. And I think you know, despite we won't even get into the polling quite yet. But I mean, just the idea of after watching four years of this, I think one of the reasons Democrats were so apoplectic about nine, nine or nine thirty on election night was they couldn't figure out how in the world after four years of this, there were more Trump supporters. But in reality, there were. Well, here's my thing. Donald Trump was a master at whipping up and galvanizing his base. And we saw that on yep. uh, on Tuesday. It's just what we also saw is that he was a master at whipping up and galvanizing the opposition, and there were more of them. 
And that's been his problem. And Murphy, you've been saying this for a year and a half. Uh, You know, it's base first, base last, base always. And he ultimately, he he paid a price for it. You know, I, I totally agree. There's also... I mean, you know, we all made the mistake of believing polls, but the bottom line is the polarized country is here to stay. Biden's incredible lead will be partially driven by very blue places, Trump's by very red places. But in the competitive states, it was pretty competitive. Yeah. You know, kudos to Biden for pulling it off. But there are clearly a bunch of Republicans who thought, you know, I can't take Trump anymore. Joe doesn't seem that bad, uh, but I'm going to hang on to my, my local R. Uh, just because I'm not sure where Biden's going to land on, on issue stuff. So, and that's the road. Look, Biden is better equipped by temperament, background, relationships to navigate this divided thing than anybody else. And, you know, he made three promises, unite the country, handle COVID, and get the economy going again. And in all three of those, I think you can find some bipartisan support, at least in the voters, even in the R world, and definitely in the indie world. And that'll 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 be a pressure that McConnell hanging on, depending on the Georgia runoffs we're talking about, by a vote. Uh, it, it, half that caucus will feel it. The other half will be off to New Hampshire yeah. on the Repub side. Yeah. Wave to Trump when you're up there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the <laughs> that's, deal. I mean, That's I, coming, I, too. Yeah. Trump is going to take—we've talked about this before. Trump is going to take his show and move it down the street, you know. And uh, but he's not going away. Uh, you know, no. I heard a lot the of ego talk today won't about, let. you know, will he concede? Will he? Hell no, he's not going to concede. He's going to maintain till you saw he, he, he tweeted this morning. I won this election by a lot and then set, uh, went off to the golf course. He's going to file. Yeah. Murphy and I were talking Trump about this. 2024. They're already working on the logo. Let's get even. Yeah. Um, but that said, I you know, we're have plenty to talk about down the road. I think that a fish out of the freezer for two weeks, I'm not sure he'll ever be what he was in the party. And you got a lot of young guys even doing the Trump music that would like him to rot away so they can make their move. So we'll see. It's going to be Game of Thrones in the Republican Party. So what do you make of the fact that in addition to being a little uh, off, I mean, I got to we'll see where the final race lands when the votes from California come in in uh, what? March, uh, or <laughs> how long does it take? If we're lucky, uh, we we we'll see when that comes in. Whether the uh, how much he uh, Biden stretches the lead because you're right, Robert. He's I think what what is he about three and a half up right now? Three, yeah, he'll yeah. pass five. Uh, I, he could stretch it to five. Yeah, I think I think he will. I do think we have to be careful. There there are a lot of generalizations about the first hour of election night that aren't going to hold in a week or a month or half a year. Uh, and so I think that there's going to be some very interesting stuff about all that that goes on. The Republican Party, other than Trump, and, and, and some would argue, and I mean, Mike, you may be one of them, that you can include this in this. The Republican Party itself had a really good night. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, there, there ain't no coattails. Yeah, you know, they well, kinda, it was like two different if, elections. If there were coattails, you know, they were Trump's uh, in that he whipped up a big turnout in these Republican areas. Yeah. And, you know, there was there were at least half a uh, half a dozen state legislative chambers that were thought to be in contention. Republicans retained all of them in a redistricting year. Republicans rebuffed uh, the Democratic what looked to be like a pretty good path to take the Senate. Susan Collins produced, uh, you know, she proved herself to be really, really resilient. Oh, right. hell yes. I, uh, I pitched them a bumper sticker, by the way, for their supporters. Senator Susan Collins, next time try kryptonite. Because <laughs> it is amazing in Maine what she pulled off. Yeah, well, because Trump lost that state by a lot, and, and she ended up winning by a pretty good margin there. Yep. It's remarkable in this environment that you can have ticket splitters. It's, it's really... You know, it, which is kind of a good thing for politics. I, I'm for absolutely. Of I splits. didn't. I thought we'd sort of seen the last of it, and and you know, she didn't. You know, she didn't squeak by. She she was fairly convincing. I'll tell you, she was someone who you know when you when you were in the as you know Robert in the Obama White House, and you needed to try to find a Republican. You know, right. she would be the first place. She's going to be even more important now because uh, you could, depending on what happens in Georgia, we ought to talk about that. But uh, you could have a fifty-one forty-nine Senate 
And uh, so she, Romney, uh, Murkowski, you know, there are senators who are going to hold a lot of sway there Mm -hmm. for Biden's program. But my question to you guys uh, is why? Why um, Why did Republicans do as well as they did, even as Trump lost? Well, mix one big turnout, big turnout across the board and then more, you know, more balanced or split states that that helped both sides. So it kind of canceled itself out and the hours were not blown away Two, I think people kind of put Trump in escrow. You know, they thought, all right, we got they got the Trump reality show. We're going to pull the plug on. But I don't really know other than Biden, who seems like somebody I can deal with. I don't know what the rest of these D's are really for. So I'm not going to kind of rush down the uh, rush down the thing here. Now, we all had the kind of smarty pants analysis, and I fell for it, too, of, well, people are going to republish, punish the Republicans because they were too nice to Trump. And I, nah, I think people kind of went to fundamentals. Trump's an asshole. Got to make a change. Can't run COVID. But uh, other than that, I'm staying with my team. And a lot of them were incumbents. And I'll tell you, you know, most incumbents win. Incumbents do have an advantage. And those Senate incumbents, a lot of them switched to kind of a senator pothole campaign to close on. Collins did a ton of that. Um, they kind of run like many governors and glued themselves to the states. And uh, that made it easy in the Iowas and, and, and places where there was some of that messaging to, to hang on. Yeah, I think it was that big turnout. That, that, that I mean, it, essentially that rising tide that didn't get enough for Trump because the campaign was singularly about him. But that rise really did take a lot of um, seats that, you know, whether they were House seats or Senate seats, that the Democrats thought they could either uh, protect or win, and uh, uh, they just got swamped. And I, I think a lot of places you'll see Democrats got probably the vote that they thought they needed to get. They just didn't think that Republicans would get nearly the vote that they got. And I think that in the end swamped a lot of people. What about the uh, idea, Murphy, that um, like, I'm, you know, I, I like uh, more than like, I, I really admire Nancy Pelosi. I think she's a brilliant, brilliant and historic uh, uh, legislative leader. Um, but there was the back and forth on the stimulus that never happened. Yeah, uh, yeah. You can argue the D's were a little too clever by half on that in the House, thinking that they'd win the crash if it was a game of chicken. And uh, you know, maybe not. Uh the other thing I think I, I think I think you're onto something there. I think the I, I didn't see enough media uh to know what the Dem congressional message was other than we hate Trump too. I don't think it was as clear as 18 when it was a referendum on pre-existing conditions. And I think that might have hurt him a little bit, too. Um, I think that's right, because I, I think the truth is, in a world of Trump, you're never going to have a, a you're never going to have a, a series of races that that devolve down to policy battles. Right. You, you're going to have it. It's 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 almost singularly personality. Yeah. The um, uh, you mentioned that he won. um independence by 14 uh he also won moderates by which is the largest cohort in the country uh by two to one We're, with liberals and conservative there are more conservatives but liberals and conservatives went to each uh corner you know biden we spent a lot of time here doubting him as a candidate in the primaries mm-hmm. when he was staggering through uh, iowa and new hampshire um, and it didn't look like he could finish this race. And everybody always, you always look good when you win. You know, I always say you're never as smart as you look when you win and you're never as dumb as you look when you lose. But, um, but you know, they had a message that was the right message and they had to endure the primaries. But in the general, it, it worked. Uh, you know, the soul of America and the character contrast was really what powered this thing. He uh, he understood, or they understood, you know, Donald and the rest, and Zalone and uh, General Malley Dillon, they all deserve a big Anita Donna salute. I think they knew, Ron Klain and Rochetti, um, that good campaigns are amplifiers of the right contrast, you know? 
and that amplify what's true. And Biden was the anti-Trump as far as empathy, no drama, back to normal, uh, no more chaos. And they, they got the card they had and they played it every day. And I don't think there was a single day in the campaign that Biden was in real trouble of losing kind of the, the control of that. Uh, and the fact they managed their cash well and could never get out muscled on advertising after the convention was great, too. So I, I give them a big salute. I think if they had a time machine looking at some of these states, I'll bet they wish they'd played middle class economics a little harder because they let Trump sell some tickets there. But other than that, and, and you know, Dade County, which is tactical, um, it's hard to find anything. That I, I think a big salute to those guys. I think they were calm and, and smart and they had a plan. Yeah, and I think two things that I've said before, but I'll say them again. I think one is we've talked about. I mean, remarkable message discipline. The ability to draw back from his announcement speech, I bet, will be pretty heavy. Uh, you know, to have that sort of message discipline uh, and to get it right. And I think you know, David, you I've said this before as well. You used to say this a lot in Obama that, um, particularly as we were thinking about running, and and Obama was thinking about running is. You, you know, you don't pick the moment. The moment picks you. And I think Joe Biden is just perfect for the moment. Yeah. Uh, whether it is incredibly healing, he's 70, 47 years into his career. Right. And, you, and you know, they're talking about a big finish. Well, yeah. and, and it, it is one of those things, you know, you, you, you he, he, he's probably looked at the calendar a hundred times and thought there were better there. This was the moment for him to do something, or this was the moment to run. And in reality, it was this time that, his persona, what he stood for, his values, what he talked about, well, carried the moment, and it and it's right for the moment. And is is, I I think he he comes into office with more challenges than any president elect in nearly a century. Let me uh, bring us to one sidebar topic before we can abandon the rearview mirror and and, and start looking forward because that lot to happen. But I think one of the reasons that you guys were so horribly embarrassed by your predictions was that you, uh, you, you, okay. And maybe me, uh, we, we believe polling because we've all been doing this a long time and generally polling is pretty helpful, but this time, uh, it, you know, it, 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 it was off. And so what do we think about that? And I'm going to start with one caveat too. Uh, Dr. David Hill, the pollster who first brought the Rolling Stones to Alabama, and I've worked with a lot, one of the best, he had an interesting note after the election. He first he goes, brought the Rolling Stones to Alabama? Yeah, as a young rock concert promoter grad student. He did. He promo- yeah, he's, he's got the most interesting background of any. Well, uh, who wouldn't trust his numbers? I mean, with yeah. <laughs> on a few days well, like that. But right. but here's the thing. Um, but he's not moving amps. He's uh... <laughs> All right, all right. Let me get to the political science here, you jokesters. His initiative polling was dead on. His candidate polling wasn't. And I'll bet if you look around, that's going to be true in a lot of places, which indicates beyond sampling and trying to model turnout and all that, all the challenges, there's something going on where the old compact, uh, where people in the pollster had an honest conversation in the Trump era, maybe not. It's a great question, and I don't know the answer, because it's interesting if you look at some of the regional polling, like some of the stuff in the upper Midwest was pretty good. Some of the stuff in the upper Midwest was terrible, right? Mm-hmm. Minnesota was 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 pretty good. You know, well, let's not forget Washington Post, ABC, good pollsters, right? At Wisconsin, 17. I yeah. mean, you know, maybe maybe yeah. they maybe they thought they were watching a Badgers football game <laughs> and not like a poll, but like. I don't know, but I think we've somebody's got to figure out what in the world's going on with it. Because quite frankly, David, when you read me these numbers from the exit poll, you, you might as well be reading me tomorrow's lottery numbers. I, I don't. I just don't have any real faith that we know. I think we'll. I, I don't think we'll have a good sense of this election for a few months until there's a lot more analysis done of of kind of what really happened and who really voted. Because I just I'm not going to believe. You know, Murphy got suckered into believing all that stuff um, for those predictions he made. Too. And so, <laughs> you know, I don't want to get gullible in these. Uh, yeah, yeah, you didn't fall for it. I, I do have tomorrow's lottery numbers here, by the way. Let me Excellent. make sure I get them to you. This would be the Cook County lottery. <laughs> I, I would say, too, I mean, I do hope that at some point, you know, I mean, look, and, and David, you, you'll point this out, so I'll, I'll, I'll get it before you do. I, I did send you a lot of polls when they came out. but Yeah. But and we talked about a lot of polls on the phone uh, every day. But man, we've got to have a presidential election where it isn't just a coverage of the polls each day because it, it just. I, I agree. Don't, you don't learn anything except 
I we all get up in the morning. Well, I feel like we, say, we, say, we say that uh, every four years. How about exit polls? Can we talk about those? Yeah, but first, all together, hello, Iowa, one, two, three, apologies <laughs> yeah. and I sent mine out that night. I we're sent very mine out sorry. Al- almost immediately. Uh, we're very yeah, sorry. She was, she was right. Uh, right on it in Iowa. We, yeah, we were, we were, uh, we were wrong. And she's still, she's still the gold standard of Iowa polling and Seltzer got it right. That turned out to be not a close race. Did anybody pick of the three? Did we, we none of us picked Iowa. Right? No, 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 no. I would have had a very, very good record, but for following Murphy down a couple yeah. of yeah, 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 North Carolina. Don't worry, Axe. I'm working Florida. It's in the bag. <laughs> we, we've we've overcome this Obama problem in Miami. Why are they sending him there? Um, so, but North Carolina. That was look. The shockers were uh, Susan Collins, yeah. who defied everything of normalcy in in polling in in state patterns. And prove that if you're really close to your state, and if you, yep. you know, yep. especially yep. in a small it, state, you but know, those relationships cow. matter. He was looking good there, and Tillis had real trouble. But North yeah. Carolina across the board kind of was another one where the data was wrong, and it, it hiccuped back the other way. Probably a huge rural turnout. Yeah. So just before you go too far down the road, on because it, it relates to the, uh, you know, uh, to the polling, we uh, we all expected a ginormous gender gap. There was a big gender gap, but it was no bigger than four years ago. Mm-hmm. It was thirteen points. We didn't. I didn't necessarily see men uh, basically even, which is what um, the exit poll had. Now let's think about this for a second. That can't be right. If 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 well, if women were up thirteen, men can't be even, or Biden would have won by. There were more women voting than men. I think the thing to do is we gotta you know send some whiskey to our friends at Edison. And uh, who are who are listeners, by the way? Hi, gang at Edison, uh, and reweight the exit polls to reality, and then yeah. we're going to know what happened. Yeah, yeah. So I agree uh, because on this polling on this polling issue before the election, you know, white non college women were thirty nine percent for Biden, sixty for Trump. That is improvement over four years ago uh, when uh, I think Hillary got twenty seven. It was a six point improvement but it wasn't the kind of gigantic improvement that some of the polls uh predicted so the the notion of a shy trump voter which is the term that pollsters have developed people who were for trump but didn't want to tell a pollster they were for trump i mean maybe there's something to it yeah i I think so because that initiative delta is interesting to me yeah you know because you don't you don't get in a fight with anybody over Uh, where you are in proposal j yeah I was infuriated by Proposal J, but <laughs> yeah, that's no, I, just me. I got into a fight over Prop Twenty Eight the other day. Maybe we get Rob Farben from Edison after they've waited. That might be a good conversation to have because this is this is one interesting electorate that gave us this response. Well, and, and interesting that after the polling mistakes of twenty sixteen and and all the thought that went into recalibrating them, it, it's likely. You know, even if if Biden ends up at four or five percent, that we've got a polling error at least equal to what we had in 2016, if not slightly greater. And so, usually, you can chuck, you know, you you that'd be a four four percent on both the national and the state. I mean, at least last time the national stuff was pretty close, and then the terribly bad, cheap state polling wasn't nearly as good. I think there's clearly a big problem that somebody's got to figure out. And just to be clear, you know, the the famed pollsters that we're going to look at and find the Trump voters, they didn't do too well either. You know, one other footnote on this polling thing, and I think we'll move on to the future. At USC, Center for the Political Future, check us out online, we did this big panel back poll. And, you know, we had it 10 points. My Our friend Bob Shrum was, you know, couldn't have been happier. Uh, I thought, oh, I've got this figured out. It's only seven points. Well, we did an experimental thing where some scientists from Europe were over at our institute, and I would name them, but I would mangle their names. But they did the social circle thing. Like, what are your friends talking about? Who do you think they're voting for? Blah, blah. They had a four, four and a half to 4.8 point race, much tighter. Uh, I think there's a future in some of that, too. It's interesting. We published it all. People can take a look. Murphy, how come you didn't listen to them when you were making your predictions? Well, Shrum called me all worked up and said, can you believe it? They just put out a press release, four points, and Biden online, too. Uh, but now that we... 
Now that we're looking at it, it there, there, there may be some. But, you know, you also don't know post-Trump if everything calms down a little, if that problem will start to melt away. There's a lot of problems that are going to start to melt away now that he's gone, brother. Well, let's yeah. talk about that. Let's talk about it. Cause First of all, incredible scene uh, when the race was called this morning, just this outpouring of people into the streets. And look, I think one of the things that happened in this race is that as Trump became meaner and more dislikable to a lot of folks, Biden became more likable. And I think there is, you know, he ended up with a favorable rating from voters. They liked him. They liked him. And I, I have no doubt that the people who went out uh, were, you know, basically people who really liked Biden. But what brought them to the streets wasn't Biden. What brought them to the streets was Trump. Yeah, the joy and of the goodbye. Like the, uh, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead kind of thing uh, <laughs> all over the country. Um, but now Biden's the dog that caught the car. Uh, yep. And a big stack of problems ahead, you know. Um, though I'll tell you, I was hearing some of the cable hot air artists, current uh, what uh, participants. Wait, are you one of those? Careful. Yeah, yeah I was going to say we're all in Careful. the union, but yeah, we, he's a self-hating bloviator. We, well, yeah, but we're in the sub-local of the bloviators who's act, who've actually done something in politics. A lot of bloviators <laughs> haven't. Uh, and it was interesting because all this talk about, okay, and we're getting into the who controls the Senate. I, I think, you know, as a conservative who's got my concerns about the Democratic policy agenda, I'm happy because the first thing Biden can do all by himself, and he's totally equipped to do it, is restore the old bipartisan consensus in foreign policy. Fix the Atlantic Alliance, play the trade thing smart, no Yahooism. Uh, punish Putin for misbehavior, and and that happens in a day, and that is hugely important. So uh, you know, regardless of who runs the Senate, that that is going to happen, and I think frankly the Republicans are going to support him on about ninety percent of it. So that's one big win out of the box. But I was going to ask yeah. you that question, Murphy, which is I think I, I I don't disagree at all that Biden will do all those things. The question is, will 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 Republicans on those issues revert back to the mean? Oh, yeah. You know, privately, the number one thing, particularly the Senate hours, because the House guys, you know, they think an Afghan's a cat. Uh, you know, if they went to college, it's a blanket to steal the old Arthur Finkelstein joke. But it, it, the Senate guys all privately been horrified by a lot of the uh, the national security decision making when the president ignores everybody. and does. So I think that's I mean, there will be differences, but it'll be nothing like the train wreck we've had with Trump. And that's good. I have to say. I agree with you, and uh, I think it's important, but uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There are deep economic problems. Uh, Biden had a pretty robust economic plan. Um, he's going to have to pass a stimulus because I doubt that anything will happen with um, uh, with Trump in the White House now. And he's going to be measured. He's going to be measured on some of these I mean, I think he can get a long way on sort of tone, character, and so on. But eventually, he's going to be measured by some of these economic, pro, you know, health care, child care, could raise the minimum wage, I guess, if he could persuade the Senate to do it. But I mean, he's going to be measured on the things that touch people's lives. And not having the Senate is going to make it a more, a more difficult assignment. Oh, no, I don't disagree with that. I'm just finding the benefit right now for the country's interest politically. Yeah, it, it, and it's going to be tricky because the progressives are going to be very starving. And by, I, I wrote this thing for the Bulwark that I retweeted today back in August. And I can argue from Biden's point of view, having a 50-50 or even plus one Republican Senate puts him in the middle of the action. In a way, if it were Schumer and Pelosi with majorities, you know, there was a danger. I thought he'd be a little bypassed. So we're seeing he, the Repubs on the good side will be a useful foil to some of the progressives or say, like, that's just not reality now. We can't spend $2 trillion on this and that. On the other side, can he find five, six, seven pragmatic Republicans, the Romneys and Murkowskis, Collins, to play ball? Or are the Republicans going to go lockstep into complete opposition politics? I think this is going to be this is going to be a really hard few years to go through exactly this because i mean let's be clear we, we talked about the stimulus as it related to pre-election i mean the group that was no on any big stimulus before the election wasn't the trump administration and it wasn't 
House or Senate Dems. It was Republicans in the Senate. Yep. And, you know, I, I look, I, I don't think this is any wild prediction, but you're going to start the clock on how many uh, Senate Dems start all of a sudden. They're very concerned about our debts and our deficits. They're really, <laughs> this is, yeah, the, the debt clock up rolls back out again. There are a lot of seasonal, yeah. seasonal de- deficit hawks. Do you think Trump might make a stimulus move on the way out as kind of an FU to the Senate R's? I think he'll think about it. I think, And I think, quite frankly, if you're McConnell, You'd love to clear this out with the the and probably Schumer too. Clear this out with the old uh, yeah Senate and Congress. I, I think you've got a lot better chance than to walk in there and try to do it um, the beginning of day one. If they get a better deal, by yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, I I I think that will be an interesting tell to see. Look, I, I think we also have to acknowledge too that the the central thing that Biden talked a lot about this healing. The, the country, the repairing of the soul of the nation is is a harder task today than it was just even a few weeks ago. This country got more and more and more divided in a pitched way the closer we got to Election Day. And the, the days between Election Day and now um, haven't done anything to bring it apart. And my guess is that it's going to take quite some time for you know, more than 70 million Americans even to accept the result of this election. So this job got a lot yeah. harder. Well, especially if the president keeps telling them that it isn't, right. that the results were not what, what they were given. I mean, he tweeted out this morning, uh, I won by a lot and then <laughs> left for the golf course. And everybody's analyzing what he meant. Right. Well, I'll bet he didn't win by a lot. I mean, it's... But won't one of the biggest shocks to Trump be he gets back and all of a sudden... The new rule newsrooms across America is Trump has now gone from page A1 to page A6 in terms of his pronoun. They don't have to cover everything he says because he's not the president now. He's, you know, Biden's the president-elect. Right. And it'll move away from, it'll, this is going to move away. This will be what is really jarring to him. All of this is going to move away from him with lightning quickness, right? All of a sudden, you know, he's going to not only lose the ratings war and lose the ratings war to somebody who who he thought was half asleep, uh, but to your point, Murphy, they're just not going to care as much about his banging and clanging, and and he'll do a lot of that on the way out. Yeah, every utterance is no longer news. Yeah. But yeah, there's going to be a whole apparatus that has to get set up to run this new government, and that's going to leave him um, with nobody caring about his opinions. You lived through a transition, Robert. I lived through yep. a transition. We were we were lucky because we had in Bush someone who was willing to cooperate. They were and, the best. They really and, were great. And uh, now Biden can't expect that. He can't. You know, I don't think Trump's going to sort of cor- uh, corrode his band by uh, you know well, by making making uh, uh, you know by by all of a sudden becoming cooperative and you know, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I, here's my question. The, the new incoming Biden administration, do they, who, who do they call to set up meetings? The chief of staff has COVID. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I mean, it, you know, when, you know, you, when we went through our transition, it was hand in glove. Yeah. I mean, and it was, I remember going to the white house that day and you know, you've got five, uh, you have four, pre- four, four presidents or former presidents and one president elect. Um, you know, each of us met with the counterparts that we would be, whose jobs we would be doing in, in this administration. They couldn't have been nicer. They couldn't have been. You remember the there were issues like transition funding for the auto industry to give the president yeah. Obama time to figure out what to do about the auto industry. Yeah. National security stuff that we won't talk about on this podcast that, uh, right. uh was discussed. Yeah. Uh, let's have so, another podcast to talk about that. Yes. It's so a, it's the, a uh, but deep secrets. They're setting up a coronavirus task force of their own, Biden, and they're going to announce it Monday. Who are they yeah. going to deal with in the government? Are, is, are people going to be free to, free to deal with them? It's going to be the fall of Saigon, okay? They're burning file cabinets. Somebody's trying to <laughs> rescue a cat. You know, it's going to be nothing like the Bush <laughs> thing. But the career, the there will be a ton of informal reach out to professional staff in the agencies. I think some of the cabinet secretaries will... You know, there won't be a plan, but I think I'll bet you see a lot of informal back channeling to try to. Well, one reason one together. one reason that uh, people may they may get cooperation is because Trump may fire a shit ton of people, <laughs> you know, in the aftermath. They talk that he's going to fire Dr. Fauci, 
that he, he, he certainly apparently is going to fire Dr. Burks, who was pretty outspoken in a piece she wrote right before the election. Chris Ray, the FBI director, uh, he could go on a, a rampage here, but uh, that would free those folks <laughs> to spend more time with the Biden task force, I guess. So. I mean, the good news is for America that, you know, somebody was telling me like, well, you know, if he doesn't, if Trump doesn't come to the inauguration, I mean, they don't have the the tea before inauguration. I said, do you think Joe Biden needs a tour of the White House? Like he's been there. He knows, he knows, you know, that old adage of like, well, I'm still trying to find the bathroom. Joe, they know where that is. They've been to those meetings. They spent eight years there. So that's a good thing. I agree with you though. There is that concern of those, you know, those cabinet people meeting together, those task forces. I mean, this was, you know, this was in the, in the Obama transition to Trump. This was where the handoff of the pandemic playbook happened. And then, the Trump people, I guess, used it for like, you know, a doorstop or something. Uh, but the 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 mechanism of trans uh, the the mechanism of this is just is really important because, as we all know, somebody gets sworn in at noon on January twentieth. They become, in a matter of moments, the person that makes all those decisions. There isn't like a period of ramp up, and they're going to inherit, as I said. Problems no president-elect has inherited for almost a century. And, but uh, as you say, I mean, I agree. It's going to be crazy and clunky, ad hoc, very back yep. channel. But the guys who are coming in have played that piano before. Yeah. They, they know where the keys are. And I'll, I will bet dollars to donuts we will never know until the, the memoir, I did it my way, from the University of Kentucky Press. <laughs> but I'll bet McConnell and Biden have been back channeling a lot in the last 48 hours. Well, yeah, we'll see, it's a great see, point. See what that produces because that's a great you point. know uh, McConnell's uh, McConnell's c- conclusion when Obama got elected was that um, if we can keep him from accomplishing a lot, uh, that improves our chances of getting the Senate back. And if we make him solve these problems by himself, oh, it's true. He read the Daschle blueprint. I mean, that's the problem. The Senate's totally become a campaign device. But we're see. You know, Mitch is smart. He's going to look at 50-50 or 51. You know, we'll see. Uh, his problem is going to be all his young bucks want to run for president against Kamala Harris in four years. And they're going to be hard to control. And they're going to try to inch out the Trump comeback by doing Trump impersonation. She's got a tough uh, situation because already, you you know, people on the left are saying she's our go-to person. She's Right. And, you know, first of all, Biden is, is you know, he, we know this. He's He's not... He's not a Medicare for all person who wants to expand the ACA. He's not a, you know, he's not where they would like him to be on some issues. And with a Republican Senate, there are limits to what he's going to be able to do. But uh, in a in sense, some ways, that's the answer. Well, yeah, it gives them an excuse to say no. Yeah, that was my point earlier. Totally. But she's the one who's going to be held accountable because yeah. she, you know the the expectations have been set that she will influence policy and. She's the one who's prob- she's the only one of them uh, between the two of them who's likely to be on a ballot in 2024. So uh, how she navigates that is going to be really, really interesting. And, and like any election of, of a president, I've been watching with some amusement that any group that can claim they put 50,000 votes together is now on, in the news media saying, well, we delivered the White House. So we brought our list you know, at our vet, we have a very long list. Starts with yeah. me as Secretary of the Navy. You know, and because we clearly, but every every group is uh, is pulling is that. Is that why you're wearing Biden. a Navy blazer? There is that. I I have my uniform now. This yeah. is actually the Sea Org from Scientology, but it's very very <laughs> close. I'm going to try to make a ladder. I'll take Amtrak too. Be, I know Gibbs. I know you're after it, but uh, I think if you had won Florida, you probably would have gotten it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so cruel. Yes. So cruel. Yes. Uh, Miami my Dade, guy. you know, uh, the one place we didn't think we had a lot of grip, but we thought the yeah. everybody else would fix it. So uh, before we get off. By the way, the little Florida story that nobody cares about because he lost, look at the panhandle. We put up a bunch of men on the street military people. He's Trump's won seven points behind where he was last time in the military communities and the military vote. Well, here's the thing. Trump got a huge turnout in the rural areas. Um, but the fact is that Biden did, as a percentage, he did cut Trump's vote among non-college whites uh, from, you know, Trump won him by whatever. He got 35 percent. Biden got 35 percent. I think Hillary got 28 uh, percent. He did cut his margin in uh, in some of these small towns and rural areas. 
I mean, his big makeup was in the suburbs that shifted seven points in, yep. in, in Biden's favor. But, you know, I think there is an argument that uh, Biden may be the only guy who could have won of all the people who had run who, you know, given the strength we saw Absolutely. of Trump. Absolutely. Biden's ability to reach uh, into places other people couldn't uh, and the fact that they couldn't demonize him to the extent they did. And people are looking for restoration. They're not looking for some radical reform. They're, they're, they want the norms repaired. But the point is right. Biden fit the anti-Trump thing better than anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing before we you know, go all League of Women voters and tell everybody what they have to do to fix it. You no, know, that's your part. I'm going to leave fix. when you start that. <laughs> yeah, we we already did that. Max and I are going down to uh, find a few more boxes in South Philly, just to be sure. <laughs> I slid that in there just so you guys, and it made you talk about it, and it worked. Um, no, we, we've got two... Um, you know, two days after they swear in the new Congress, they're going to have two statewide elections in Georgia to yeah. figure out who runs the Senate. And well, can we and, buy a TV station? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quickly. Let's pull our nickels and dimes right now. Yeah, and and look, I mean, talk about a state <clears throat> that has seen some amazing electoral change in the last ten or fifteen years. Uh, you know, Georgia is going to be a fascinating place to um, to watch this experiment uh, and. You know, they've got a history of, of these runoffs, and quite frankly, Republicans have an, an undefeated record in these runoffs. So, uh, but the question, you know, lots of questions, uh, you know, are the Republicans, will they be depressed? Uh, uh, will that turn out be depressed because there isn't a Trump on the ballot? Will Trump try to get involved and make this a little bit more? Uh, or take you know, his ball and go home for a while. Yeah, I, or, that, or that is, yeah. see it as a place to make himself more relevant. Can you know, interestingly enough, uh, one of the statistics that I saw in an article I was reading um, in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is in the 2000s when Sonny Perdue was governor, uh, the electorate was 70% white. Now it's 53% white. It, it's it, Demographically, it's, a, it's an, an amazing thing. And, and what's always been hard in these runoffs for Democrats is can you get the, can you get the base vote back out? And yeah. we saw a huge base vote. I, I think it's going to be two fascinating elections with a lot on the line uh, in an interesting and fascinating state. Well, here's a question for you guys. Let's pretend you're back in the White House. You know, okay. nobody will work for Biden, so he's down to you guys. And Chuck Schumer is online one saying, we got two runoffs to grab everything. We need Biden down there. We need him in this campaign pounding. We won't get the turnout without the other argument is, whoa, 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 we don't want a referendum on our new president. We actually it's had not this really in our, 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 Yeah, <laughs> I bet you did. You know, at a time when we can't control it because if somebody loses because they make a clown move down there, now Biden has no exactly. power. Exactly, it's on his account. And he's Mr. Partisan now, which is not what we sold the country. Uh, but you're going to get pushback if, Bi if Biden's going to own it internally in the party. Do you try to own it externally or do you play it cool and say, here's a, help you raise some money, don't lose? I mean, that's a really good question, and my guess is that he solves it by uh, sending, sending Kamala there. Right. That's what I'd do. You know? I will say this, because we were in actually this exact same meeting in the yeah. White House yeah. <laughs> uh, around a Massachusetts uh, Senate race that didn't turn out so well. But, I mean, you know, interestingly, one of the things, Murphy, is uh, they're going to have to play the expectations game smart because it doesn't matter if Joe Biden could move to Georgia or Joe Biden could never go to Georgia. And you know what? He's going to get a hefty amount of blame uh, if those races don't come together, and he'll get a hefty amount of credit if they do. And it, it, it won't really matter. Some of it won't even matter what he does. Right. So you send Kamala, you work on COVID, and you hope for the best and do everything you can. I think, that's the, I the think that that's the answer. I, look, the odds against Democrats there are going to be very, very high. It's for all the reasons no you guys said, and I think they're higher because Biden won, and uh, yeah, that, that may motivate Republicans more than uh, more than Democrats. But we uh, uh, be interested to see what Trump does in this race. It's race also is. a parade of flawed candidates because Kelly Leffler, believe me, is no uh, no super candidate. The appointed senator who won her primary, yes. right? Well, right, billionaires or finished second and got into the runoff. Warnock is pretty impressive, but he if you look at the three votes, his chunk wasn't as big as I would have thought it was. You got Purdue, the world's worst stand-up comedian, and John Ossoff, who gave him a good fight, probably has the best shot of the two of them, but it's gonna, this is going to be one hell of a runoff. And, of course, the whole Republican venge-crazed machine is going to be heading down there to make a stand, and there'll be a competition between all the Republican presidential wannabes 
to go get credit. Well, I'm sitting here watching the, uh, as we tape this uh, on the background, the Georgia-Florida football game. And let me just tell you, <laughs> and I, I say this very lightly. I'm given glad that you're I'm paying from, attention here. I've, <laughs> given that I'm from Auburn, but like I'm a big Georgia fan these days uh, as opposed to Florida. Pander. Uh-huh. But the thing is that uh, just, uh, just <laughs> absolutely just backing off a second and looking at this from a larger lens, um, Democrat a Democrat taking Georgia and a Democrat I think taking Arizona, Arizona. We'll wait for the final numbers. That's pretty big, you know, because one of the things that's going to I mean, first of all, let's just to put a pin in that for a second. The loss of the six fights over the legislative chambers means Republicans are going to still have an advantage in redistricting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be, because of the census, a shift of seats to the Sun Belt. Uh, the ability of Democrats to compete in these yeah. Sun Belt states, it could they're be growing. that you know yeah. that that the the mid the Midwestern states that right. Biden won are going to become more difficult. Yeah, uh, because they are not changing as rapidly. They have an older, whiter population, but they're and shrinking, these di- diversifying, and shrinking. Exactly. larger Sun Belt states. You know, now the Texas thing didn't come in. Trump ended up winning by what se- seven or something. Yeah, thank God we called that one right. Oh, yeah, that we been did bad call if that we'd one. Screw right. that one up. Yep, we did. One out of twenty. Didn't one of you two pick Texas? No, no, I didn't fall for that okay. trap. No, this is always the the Democrat heartbreaker. Yeah. But I, I do think that, I mean, they got a huge number, huge number of votes out. Um, I'd keep an eye on Texas, but but we know that two came across the line here. Uh, yeah. And that's that's a that's a historic thing. And if you look at some of those Western states, Democrats hold those Senate seats in a, in a way they haven't in in 70 years. Yeah. You know, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado. Colorado yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of interesting. Look, I, I think when when we when we take a step back, as you asked us to do, over the course of the next few weeks, because really there's a window of, behind you. I know I don't want to fall out because <laughs> yeah. then I won't be able to watch the football game. Um, the um, I think both parties are going to have to take long looks into the mirror. Democrats will have have won the presidency, and, and that will be good. Republicans will say we we did down ballot. That'll be good. But in reality, they they both have some genuine weak spots that this campaign. Uh, there's some, again good things like a Georgia and Arizona, but there's there's some weak spots for Democrats that they got to look at. And you know, Murphy, you and I talked about this over the course of the week. There have been eight presidential campaigns since, or including Bob Dole starting in 1996, and Republicans have won the national, the popular vote, exactly one time in those eight campaigns. So th- there's, I, I I think there's some interesting pressure points for each of the parties to really examine. Um, in the go forward time between now and we're not going to rectify all this before Georgia, but as we lead into now 2022. Yeah. The question is, will it be long or short term incentives next Republican presidential primary or facing the demographic reality, which is a Python around our neck. We do have this problem that uh, continues to gnaw at the democracy, which is the population drift is to large metropolitan areas. You've got sparsely populated rural states that leverage disproportionate power, uh, power in the electoral college, power. Now that will, you know, that that to some degree is affected by changing population patterns, but still leveraging a lot of uh, power through the electoral college and the Senate. Uh, and, uh, you know, Biden will probably win the presidential race by, you know, between five and seven million votes. Um, and, uh, but, you know, may have his program stymied by the Senate. Um, and, you know, we have to figure out if one hopes that we can figure out how to kind of return to a situation where there are, the, there is the ability to get some things done where frustration is going to well up and it's going to overwhelm, uh, public confidence and we're going to go be buffeted from election to election between enraged people and um uh anyway gibbs wasn't sufficiently legal women voterish so i decided i, I was to go gonna there. say you're topping him now yeah I, yeah uh, he's infected me i would add now that you've opened the legal women voter oh door, no i shouldn't have done it no that was a nightmare. But no, no, no no but this is I this is also electoral but this is also electoral no that the um Look, we're going to have to figure out we we live in two decidedly different 
countries. Yeah. Right. There's a group of people today looking at the outcome of this and, and, one of them is saying, I can't believe we didn't beat this guy by 15 points. Right. And the other is saying, I can't believe we didn't win this by 15 points. Right. And these two islands coexist on inside this country, and there's no connection right. to the other island. And 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 look, I, I, I think some of those connections are going to be hard, but we better figure out as a country how to connect some of it. Because well, and, it, we've got to understand some of the anxieties of each side. We've got to understand. Got to have some of those discussions. Okay, uh, that is true, and the the guy can make and I think understands this is the president elect, but it means Nixon to China, because he he owns the blue half. The question is how he can find some connection so the red totally half agree. will give him a shot. Totally, agree. and that's painful politically because the blue half would like, yeah, we'd like to get along on our terms. No, I agree. I mean, it's going to well. Every, that's true compromise. on both sides. Everybody yeah. wants to get along on their own terms, and of course, democracy. Uh, requires everybody giving a little and that you know and the you know the reason that people part of the reason people on the blue side say uh, are resistant to to this whole notion of compromise is because they they feel like they've suffered a tyranny of the minority yeah and 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 the the red side says wow the other party is all about avenging the minority so we're going to get avenged on as the new minority that's why i hate this groupism you know, America used to be about an idea, not grievance ranking between groups. But we'll get on to that. And uh, meanwhile... <laughs> you see how you uh, wanted us to get out of that League of Women Voters stuff fast. Yeah, I just wanted to cap it quickly with one of my rants against identity. He felt himself getting sucked into it. Yeah. I know. Just so, just so we're clear, my mother was the president of the local League of Women Voters, so that explains this. I'm just shocked. I'm She'd totally be proud shocked. of you. Okay, sure. all right, Hamilton 1 and Hamilton 2. <laughs> Why don't we get to the fabulous... Okay, but first, Hackaroos, if you have a question for the Hacks, email it to us. We like your questions. We are HacksOnTap at gmail.com. That is HacksOnTap at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the word out about our little uh, little caper here. All right, what do we have, Gibso? I've got a question for you, Mike. It comes from Ben. He asks, um, what do you think Arvat did well? Uh, of what successes are you proudest, and what do you think you could have done better besides predicting o, uh, <laughs> Ohio and Florida? I uh, yeah, our part. prediction department needs a fine-tuning. Um, <laughs> I'm very proud of Bill Crystal, Sarah Longwell, Tim Miller, and everybody at Arvat, and the more than 900 Republicans who made videos about why they can't support Trump that we'd spread out on digital. I think we were the fourth biggest spender on digital communications, Facebook, et cetera, in Pennsylvania and Arizona. We spent a lot in Wisconsin too. So we're very happy with our targeted campaigns that kind of gave Republicans permission to do the right thing regarding Donald Trump. Where we came up short was Florida. We spent about 10 million bucks. Uh, so I'm not Bloomberg Jr., though we work closely with them and they were great. We did well in West Florida. We flipped our number one county, Duval, but down in Miami-Dade, man, you know, the, just the numbers. Hillary won that county, a good Democratic county, by 29 points. Barack Obama by 24. Joe Biden will get to about 7.5, maybe 8%. So that that was a fastball that uh, got uh, right over the plate, and uh, I think everybody involved in the Florida Democratic side feels uh, that, oh, that one was tough. No doubt. All right, Gibbs. Rich asks, when voting next January in the Senate runoff elections, how, which is January 5th, how do, you, uh, how do you think maintaining a divided government will appeal to the typical Georgia voter? Is there a desire to flip control of the Senate and open the door to, be more, to, to uh, more progressive policies? Well, I, I have, you're, you're touching on this idea of how much will the parties try to nationalize these Georgia runoff elections. Uh, you, you, you start with the divided government appeal that I think Republicans will, will try to make because control of the Senate will be up. Uh, and I, I think absolutely that that will be a divided government will be a, the primary uh, or one of the primary messages for the Republican Party to maintain a, a check and a balance on the incoming Democratic administration of uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So undoubtedly, that will be a big uh, message. I, I think in some ways, r Democrats will nationalize part of it. I'm not sure that will work as well. Um, but I, I, I do think uh, Republicans will absolutely make that one of their top messages. Oh, yeah, they're going to be doing AOC, AOC insurance. 
Uh, that'll You're going to hear a lot of that in Georgia. All right, Dr. Axelrod, Mohammed has been listening to his radio. A little salute to you, Zevon people. Uh, Mohammed wants to know, why has Ohio uh-oh, become more reliably Republican compared to other similar states like Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania? What say you? You know, it's really an interesting question. And Murphy, since you were so hot on Ohio, I'm going to want to ask uh, for Biden. I want to ask you as well. It used to be a bellwether state. It used to be almost impossible to win a national election without winning the state of Ohio. I think before this election uh, that uh, John F. Kennedy may have been the last person to do that and and virtually impossible uh, for a Republican. I mean, I can tell you generally that the the nature of these states as as older, uh, whiter uh, states have made them more uh, drift more in the Republican direction. Um, I think there are characteristics of Eastern Ohio um, uh, in terms of the economic um, components of that part of the state that have become more difficult for Democrats used to be reliably Democrat union, no longer, uh, that way. But Murphy, you, you've done a lot of work in Ohio. What's your view of it? Well, I think you are right. I think like the feckless young romantic fool I am, I was seduced by some beguiling Republican polling data in October that put a panic into the Columbus GOP crowd because it showed Biden doing very well with women and cutting in to non-college educated people in eastern and and western Ohio, even some of the rural stuff and and places like Montgomery County looking pretty good. And it turned out not to be true. It went back to the model you talk about, more white, more rural, little older in Trump selling tickets with uh, uh, his core voters. Like look at Stark County, which, you know, didn't flip back the great uh, Bellwether County in Ohio. So it it stayed where it started, and there really wasn't a lot of difference. And so that that polling, like so much, proved to be a bad indicator. If you if if it makes you feel any better, Mike DeWine, right before the election, was on TV predicting a a narrow Trump win. He ended up winning by eight. So you're not the only young and feckless person who was <laughs> fooled by polling. The uh, 75 or whatever he is year old, 73 year old governor of Ohio was fooled by it as well. Oh, I can tell you the R's were worried because everybody was looking at the polling I'm talking about. The good news for our listeners is we got the hook out of Murphy's mouth after he swallowed it on those predictions. So um, everything's okay, as you can hear from his voice. (laughs) (laughs) This from the King of North Carolina. All right, guys, I thought we would go out today with a salute to President-elect Joe Biden in 1976 when Joe Biden was in his second year as a fiery young uh, reform senator from Delaware. This was on the airwaves during a time of kind of good feeling in America coming out of trouble. So I thought we'd play the old Jerry Ford jingle, feeling good about America. There's a change that's come over America, a change that's great to see. We're living here in peace again. We're going back to work again. It's better than it used to be. I'm feeling good about America. And I feel it everywhere I go. I'm feeling good about America. And I feel you ought to know that I'm feeling good about America. It's something great to see. I really wish our listeners could have seen. Watching you two Jamokes dance makes me feel less <laughs> I was good about say, America. I, I can, you know. <laughs> Thank God we're audio only. And a salute to Bob Gardner, the great ad man who wrote that song. <laughs> I can't believe that Murphy could get up on the table and dance like that. That was really impressive. I got moves, honky boy. I can't I believe moves. the table held him. All right, guys. Hey, I want to just say before we leave. Thank you to everybody that worked on a campaign, and thank you to yep. everybody that helped count the vote this week. Um, that stuff, this democracy in our republic uh, is stronger because of what people did in volunteering their time uh, and in those those folks that, that manned the polls and counted those votes. It, it, we were frustrated, as always, that it doesn't happen as fast as it did, but thank you for what you did. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Had to go all League of Women Voters on you at the end. On that one, Gibbs, I give you a pass because you're absolutely right. It's incredibly inspiring. And, you know, uh, people in there are people for their, who, their own purposes. 
people I'm not going to mention, people who live in the White House, who impugn uh, these folks uh, by uh, suggesting that somehow the, there was something untoward about the process. This was probably the most transparent election we've ever had because of the attention that was paid to it. Uh, and uh, it wouldn't have come off but for people all across this country who are willing to give of themselves to make it happen. And yeah, it was a proud time for the country. So I'm with you on that. You can go League of Women Voters on that. For everybody who has that song that Murphy just played stuck in their head for the next two weeks like I am, um, also email him directly. <laughs> yeah. Boys, I'm feeling good about America. We'll see you, Hackaroos, next time. All right. Thank you for listening. Good to see you guys. Thank you. See ya.